0: This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Hello, and welcome to Bodies of Horror, the podcast where we talk about our favorite horror films from the classic The Camp to the cringe through the lens of disability. I'm your host, Nicole, and I am thrilled to have you here. Now, before I get started into the episode, I do want to front load the acknowledgements and thank yous that are typically saved for the end because you never know how far someone is going to go into an episode. And these are things that are really, really important to me. So thank you to Anatomy of a Scream Forgiving Bodies of Horror and a slew of other truly fantastic shows like the Good for Her series, Alter Tapes, White Ladies in Crisis. Um, the team at Anatomy of a Scream is so lovely and I'm constantly bowled over that I get to be in such a wonderful mix uh, in any capacity with really intelligent, thoughtful... Game-changing people. I thank you to Flashback81 for the intro and outro music. If you like what you hear, and just from those snippets, which I truly hope you do because I know I really love the music, uh, you need to check out all of their stuff because it's really, really lovely. It's just so good. And, hey... Want to reach out to me and keep the conversation going after the episode has ended? Well, you can always shoot me an email at bodiesofwhore at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at bodiesofwhore. All right. So all that stuff is going to be in the show notes. So no worries about that. But let's get into it. What is on the examination table for this episode? Well, I wanted to go back and do something that I had done with Jason and Leatherface back in the first season of Bodies of Four and talk about a big baddie of a franchise. For this episode, I want to talk about John Kramer, Jigsaw Prime from the Saw franchise. It feels really appropriate in a way to be talking about John after talking about Brightburn and superheroes, Because he is kind of a horror villain that really views himself as a superhero. Literally believing that he is saving people from themselves and righting the wrongs of failed systems. Now, I am obviously not going to talk about each film of the series. John himself and his story are only really central in two or so entries while being the grounding mechanisms for others. But I really want to stick to just talking about John. I am going to be referencing a piece from Amy McElroy called Why the Saw Films Are Relatable to Anyone Who is Chronically Ill throughout the episode, and it's also going to be linked in the show notes. So just a heads up, now if you have thoughts and feelings about the title of that piece and how it may frame a horror villain, I completely understand. And this isn't to, you know, woobify someone who does really awful things. That's not what we do here. But I really loved this piece because I do think it very clearly, very succinctly, very simply puts forth how the experience of John Kramer really echoes a lot of the experiences that folks with chronic illnesses encounter, especially when dealing with medical professionals, dealing with kind of the medical and healthcare system. So I really encourage you to give it a read, Um, but I am going to be referencing it here and there. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there. All right. So Let's get to it and let's talk about John. Died. Most people are so ungrateful to be alive. Really nice. But not you. Not anymore. I'm sick of people who don't appreciate their blessings. They got us. You think like it's talk of me. you will have the ultimate judgment over you. Because the dead will have no claim over your soul. Shut the fuck up! But you may be mistaken. Rules. Killing is distasteful. For me, spiral. Symbol of change, evolution, progress. <laughs> everybody deserves a chance. You didn't see what he fucking did to her. It's not over. The games have just begun. thank you to the youtube user who created that wonderful saw trailer supercut i thought it would be kind of nice just to add for a little breakup there but let's get back to john kramer and let's talk about the man what we know about him so john is a civil engineer he seems to be well regarded and very successful in his field he works primarily in community development and developing housing for those in need. He is married to Jill Tuck, who runs a treatment clinic for those dealing with addiction. John helped Jill open the clinic and is incredibly supportive of her work. Jill becomes pregnant, and both she and John are incredibly excited to welcome their son Gideon into the family. However, one night, Jill is closing up the clinic and a patient, Cecil, shows up He asks to retrieve a jacket that he had left earlier. Jill grabs the jacket and goes to take it back and he rushes the door with the knife. He accidentally slams the door into Jill's stomach and flees the scene. John happens to be waiting for Jill in the car outside, sees Cecil fleeing and is able to get to Jill and get her to the hospital. She loses the baby and they are both absolutely devastated. John sinks into a depression and retreats from both work and his wife and this leads to their divorce. It is also at this point that we see the emergence of John's new philosophy really taking shape and coming to light. He tells Jill that he doesn't think that people can necessarily be helped that they have to help themselves. John's physical health at this point begins to take a rapid decline and he's diagnosed with cancer. But a few things transpire connected to this diagnosis that I think are worth spending a bit of time on, and that really connect us with some of the ideas that Amy talks about in her piece that I mentioned before. She perfectly walks through the way that the event of his diagnosis really shapes him as a person and as a villain. The first thing to touch on here is a delayed diagnosis. A medical student named Logan Nelson, our central character in 2017's Jigsaw, mislabeled John's x-rays, and by the time the cancer was caught, it was too late and it was considered terminal. John tries to end his life by driving off a cliff, but survives. It isn't crystal clear how John learns the details of the x-ray fuck-up, But he does, and Logan finds himself a participant in one of Jigsaw's earliest games. I'll come back to that. But now, the likelihood of someone going through a similar experience to what John went through with the x-ray is pretty slim, but it happens. So, here's a story time. I was getting discharged from the hospital after my most recent heart surgery. valve replacement patients that get a mechanical valve have to go on blood thinners and so a team of doctors were figuring out what the dosage was that I should be discharged with. It was the last thing on the checklist to get me out the door. The cardiologist's office called with the script and the info was added to my discharge paperwork and I was on my way home. I picked up my prescription and everything was good to go. And also part of this whole process was that in a week I would need to go and have blood work done to make sure that my clotting factors were where they needed to be. It's pretty common practice in surgeries like that. So fast forward that week and that blood work later and I was back in the hospital Something had gotten miscommunicated, and I had gotten the wrong dose of blood thinners. And thankfully, the lab work had caught it before anything catastrophic occurred. If you're a relatively healthy person that maybe sees a primary care doctor once a year for a checkup, these types of things are probably not really a concern that you have in mind. But when you deal with multiple healthcare professionals, sometimes across multiple systems, in different departments, specialties, it's more people with your life in their hands, and that can feel really overwhelmingly scary. And when things go wrong, that fear can shift to anger and rage. Thankfully, my situation wasn't a crisis. When I have been yeah the hospital following Matt, you know your girl is going over those discharge notes with a fine-tooth comb and not being shy about asking to speak with each doctor to ask questions before leaving. It's also important to note that the Saw series, particularly John's timeline, is happening in the early aughts, and technology and the way that we Access and use our medical information has changed quite a bit, even in that time frame. So, being able to have access to your test results and just general health records is a lot different. And so, you're much more likely to pick up on any kind of inconsistencies. It helps with communication with healthcare professionals. And it really has helped, I think, alleviate a lot of that worry. All right, but back to John. Before he is even aware of what has transpired with the x-ray and Logan's mess up, he's already pretty pissed with the medical team. Specifically, Dr. Lawrence Gordon, who is our focus in the first saw, of course, and Dr. Lynn Denlin, who is our focus in the saw three. Now while both Dr. Gordon and Dr. Dinlan are brought in because they've strayed kind of from their families, they're having extramarital affairs, and all this other stuff kind of on a very service level, John is their patient, and what really has him peeved is their bedside manner. With Dr. Gordon, it's kind of the cold and callous way he's given his diagnosis of cancer, And kind of the same thing with Dinlin, and the fact that she doesn't even remember him is really telling. Now, I'm the kind of person that will give doctors a lot of grace when it comes to Bedside manner. I have no idea what they had to deal with in terms of the patient that they saw right before me. And that could have been an absolutely heartbreaking and really painful experience. I think that doctors often do have those feelings, but when you have to go from bed to bed or talk to person to person and deliver not great news sometimes, you have to be able to manage that and keep your emotions in check. However, I think you also have to understand that the person that you're delivering that news to is going to react in a certain way going to feel a certain way they're they're their person and be able to show some compassion empathy and kindness as you're as you're working with them i think that only makes a certain amount of sense john having gotten terrible news doesn't feel like it was delivered in a way that showed any kind of understanding empathy of him as a person and this is something that can transpire, especially I think with specialists and doctors, at least from my experience that you've established a relationship with. I feel like they, they feel like they get to know you. And then it's like, Oh, well I can tell you, you know, your blood work came back. Not great. And so we're going to have to do this or Hey, we're going to have to go in and do an operation and not, understanding that just because this is something that you've gone through before that is comfortable and that you're able to necessarily process it really quickly and move on with your day. I think it's also important to note that most of the time you have no more than maybe 15 minutes with a doctor and this is including those uh, appointments with specialists. So you're not given a lot of time to get information, ask a lot of questions and really feel like you're walking away on solid ground. So I, I think that this is something that the Saw series really does a good job at kind of embedding a little bit into these early entries. Saw one, two and three, particularly in referencing kind of his experience with, dealing with these doctors now the last thing that I really want to focus in on in regards to John's experience as a cancer patient is the health insurance component because this comes to play in Saw 6 and again the way that the Saw movies and really the entire Saw franchise is structured is weaving current time and flashbacks so we've learn that John had gone to the insurance company because he wanted to get covered for an experimental treatment for his cancer and was denied. The person, William Easton, is then singled out along with his team and his team's job is really to identify any kind of issue with a client's claim so they can deny covering something. There's a couple of things that I really want to point out in terms of just the insurance component as we talk about it. There's a huge difference between something that is covered under insurance and something that is approved uh, as a treatment option. I think that sometimes this gets really confused. People think that, well, insurance has to approve anything that is, you know, FDA approved or something that has passed a certain level of clinical trial, whatever the case may be. And in fact, this isn't necessarily the case. I can have a condition and there may be four approved medications for it but my insurance will only cover two of them. This brings up a couple of different issues. And I think that one of the interesting things with how this plays into SAW is that it really connects to John's overall philosophy in some really interesting ways. So this ties into the idea of shared decision-making or patient-centered care and how all these things converge. Patient-centered care means that when I'm diagnosed with X, I get to make decisions based on what works best for me and what works best in my particular situation. So let's say there are four approved medications or treatments for something I've been diagnosed with. One is pills. One is injections, one is a liquid medication, and one is a patch. Now let's say that I can't swallow pills and I can't swallow liquids. So that leaves me with two options. But my insurance only covers the pills. So that puts me in a pretty bad place that I will have to either figure out some way to pay for that medication or figure out if there's a, some way to navigate the system so that the other option can somehow be covered under my policy. So, I I bring this up because I think it really speaks to, I think, some of the issues that John vocalizes about, you know, not being seen as a person by the insurance company. And he also mentions this in terms of uh, the doctors as well, you know, just kind of being ignored, not really being cared for as a patient. So, it's it's a sense of dehumanizing someone. You don't have a choice in the kind of care that you receive. It's someone else's choice, even though it's kind of under a guise of, well, you have decisions to make. You're really put uh, in a box in terms of what you're able to decide. Easton and his team's trap... I think also echoes what we've seen John do in terms of echoing why he is putting folks into a trap with the actual design of the trap. The design of the Umbrella Health Saw Trap is really to specifically highlight the fact that you have a CEO. and people that are part of his team, making a choice of who lives and who dies. And while it becomes the choice of the CEO, you also have the other team members that are able to advocate, fight for themselves, plead their cases, AKA plead the cases of the folks that they're representing the claims that they're representing instead of finding loopholes to deny coverage going and saying, we should cover this. So the fact that you have the CEO of Umbrella having to choose one out of the six people of his team that are strapped to the carousel with one person being eliminated with a shotgun at a time, I think it's just really, really cool. Really, really neat. And I think Highlights the fact that, you know, Jigsaw John wants to really make a point with his traps. Dr. Dinlin's trap echoes the same kind of sediment. She's a physician that didn't even recognize one of her patients, and now she has nothing to do but focus on the care of this patient and keep them alive by any means necessary. This is really, I think, where you see John making his, I think, more grand statements in terms of systemic issues as opposed to focusing in on just a person like he did with Cecil. Now, while all of this may be really interesting to think about in terms of how being a cancer patient and navigating some of the ickiest elements of the healthcare system have an impact and moved John in certain directions in terms of kind of his philosophy, I think it's also important to note the hypocrisy of John. He often talks about valuing your life, cherishing your life, but yet it's only through his lens what he deems as valuable. He's really not thinking about the other people. He's really thinking about, well, I deem this important. And if they don't deem this important, well, they gotta, they gotta learn. And they gotta learn by possibly being splayed apart into 15 different pieces in a trap. So I think at the very core, it's a really fucked up message. But... I think it's really interesting to think about how he kind of comes to pieces of that message through his journey as a cancer patient. To kind of close up shop on the conversation around John, I think it's also important to speak about disability in terms of the survivors, because you have individuals that are dealing with disabilities having survived john's traps or the traps of kind of john's mentees his followers so i think that's something that is often overlooked i think in general when we think about horror our last person standing more than likely is going to have at the bare minimum some ptsd at A max is going to have PTSD and probably some mobility issues from being stabbed, shot, whatever. And having to chop off your foot, having to chop off your arm. The things that the survivors of these saw traps endure are definitely going to impact their day-to-day life and probably in ways that we can't even think about. So you're also having someone that's like, The system is really awful towards people that need medical care. So I'm going to have now people enter the system that need medical care. Okay, that makes sense. Um, And a great way to make a point, I guess. Um, So I think his approach to advocacy is really off in that respect but i think you know it's not to undo i think some of the important things that he he really i think speaks to in terms of being a patient and the patient doctor relationship and navigating the healthcare system and insurance imagine being diagnosed with a terminal illness or going through A surgery, a major surgery, and then having to go and spend hours upon hours on the phone fighting with insurance companies to cover any kind, any level of your care. It's exhausting and it does put a huge damper on the recovery process, but we do it because it's the only way. When I mentioned that it's great that, you know, technology and the way that we interact with kind of medical systems has changed in terms of having all of our health information at our fingertips, the insurance system hasn't really changed all that much. It's still really confusing. It's still really dense. It's still really complicated for folks to navigate and can put people at a real disadvantage. So, I think that the message around that is that I think is conveyed in SAW, I think is still really, really relevant, unfortunately. So, I don't know. I think this is a really interesting franchise. I really like it. Granted, a lot of people are really watching it just for the the traps, to see the gore, the guts, the glamour. There are some interesting things to kind of take away from these films, and I really like them. Uh, the big, regal uh, cinema that's near me always shows Saw every Halloween, and I make a point to go kind of become a tradition. I really like it. I really like all the films in the franchise for one reason or another. Some some are a little messy, but you're at least going to get, you know, some really interesting traps. So I don't know. Lots to kind of piece apart. And you could obviously do episodes on each, I think, entry. But... I wanted to kind of keep it concise and talk about John. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Again, check the show notes for not only the link to Amy Mackledon's piece, but also Anatomy of a Scream. Just all the good stuff is in the show notes. So make sure to check that out. And until next time. scream pod squad